Open your Bibles to Philippians. Let's pray and ask God to help us, and then I'll read, and we'll have a quick look at um, this passage. Father, what an incredible privilege we have to have your words written down for us. Thank you that you confront us with your goodness. Thank you that you help us to understand and have your perspective on life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your concern for us. Thank you that you love us and that you want us to grow. And uh, Lord, we pray that as we look at this part of your word, uh, indeed, joy may be ignited uh, to the extent that it forces us in one sense, that it compels us, that it convinces us to change. And we pray this in your good name. Amen. So Philippians chapter 1, we'll look at uh, the first 11 verses. Paul is writing to uh, Timothy, uh, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, are writing to the church in Philippi. He says to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You have a little outline in the middle of your service sheet that you can hold, and please hold Philippians open with you, unless you know it all by heart, uh, just to check that uh, we are sticking to the scriptures. Um, every year, end of the year, beginning of the new year, Philippians comes to mind in my head. For some other reason, uh, it's one of those letters that are so full of uh, joy and integrated understanding of the Christian faith. And uh, it's really, I take it, maybe that's where uh, C.S. Lewis got this idea, but the letter really is all about the fact that joy is the serious business of heaven. Uh, C.S. Lewis has got this one of these amazing ways of putting things together that you would not normally put together. How many of you put joy and seriousness in the same sentence? It's not the way we think. So my joy this morning is to encourage you to take your joy serious in this new year. So if you are here, anybody made New Year's resolutions? Hands up. Some of you are exceptionally cynical. You've given up on the idea of making New Year's resolutions. Uh, so I've got a word for you. I want you to make this your New Year's resolution, that you will take your own joy serious. It's a serious thing to be joyful in the Lord. It is not a thing that comes by uh, default. You don't drift into joy. You don't stumble into it. Uh, you have to take it very seriously. That's why Paul writes this letter. Uh, the word joy, as you know, if you've done some work in Philippians, four little chapters, 16 times does Paul talk about joy and rejoice. So he's pretty serious about it. 
And it's an important thing for us to grow into. So here's the thing that I want you to grow in. I want you to grow in joy this year. That's what Paul is concerned about. And a very peculiar angle that we want to look at it this morning is the joy of praying for other Christians. I want you to grow in the joy of praying for other Christians. Isn't that interesting? So there are lots of kinds of prayers in the Bible. Uh, and they are all legitimate. But one we're looking at here this morning is the actual prayer that we will pray for one another, that we will grow in the joy of the Lord, which is really, it's hard to grow in love. And that's what Paul is doing. So look at verse 3 and 4. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Amazing, isn't it? I, when I think of you, Philippians, I cannot help but thank God for what he's done in your lives. I am so glad that God loves you, that God has made his home with you. Look at what he says in verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Incredible, isn't it? So when I think of you, it is my joy to pray for you. I'm glad when I think of you, and then I thank God for you, and then I pray for you. And the word there, prayer, is not the normal word for prayer. It is the word for specifically, I request makes request for you with joy. And the request he's going to tell us in verse 9 to 11 is what he's actually praying. But isn't that interesting? I am requesting God to give you life, and I do it joyfully. It is not a burden for me to pray for you. It is a delight for me to pray for you. I love praying for you. Every time I think of you, I'm glad, and every time I pray and ask God for you to grow in your love, I do it with joy. And the reason is all about grace. You should know that by now. So look at verses 4, verses uh, 5. Uh, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So you guys have been in partnership with the gospel with me. So you're going to go and read Acts, where actually the, the, the Philippian church starts with the Philippian jailer and all the interesting things that happened around that. There's where it starts. It says, from that day onward, you have been partners in the gospel, and you have supported me, and you love me, and we've had a great relationship. He says, so I pray because God has started something a while ago. It's not sure what the distance or the time frame is between Acts and when Paul writes this letter, um, but it's a good couple of years. So God has started a good work. Look at verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Carry it to perfection, really, is the word. To its end goal until the day of Christ Jesus. So something has happened in the past, and something is going to happen in the future, because the past that God has started, God will bring to fulfillment in the future. And yet the whole letter really zooms in on the present. So look at what he says in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. So God's grace has saved you, but it's not only saved you, it's changed your mind to such an extent that you have the mind of God, because you are concerned for me, who is an apostle, who takes the word into the world. And I'm so excited when I think about it, you guys. Because you are prepared to put your money where your mouth is. You have supported me. You have walked with me. When I'm in change, you don't run away from me. You're not ashamed because I'm in change. You are emboldened by my change. And you are sending me help. And he talks later about Epaphroditus. So you can see how 
There's a lot of love here, isn't it? Look at what he says in verse 8. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The grace of God has changed me to such an extent that I can really have affection for other human beings. And I have it for you specifically. I have the same concern for you as Christ has for you. (laughs) Grace is amazing, isn't it? When you bump into God, when you bump into the grace of God, you're going to change. You are actually going to start to have God's mind and you're going to have God's desire and you're going to do something that is really weird. You're going to start to love other people. And you are going to be concerned for other people. And you are going to try and help other people to discover that same love that you have discovered from God. That's what Paul is saying. He says, I'm just, when I think of you, I'm so glad and I pray with joy and I've got an affection for you that is similar to Christ's affection. So now here's the challenge I take it this morning, isn't it? The moment you hear the good news of the gospel, it comes with a little bit of a challenge, isn't it? So when you look around at the people sitting here around you, do you have the affection of Jesus Christ for them? Now, you can be honest. I know you don't. So you can relax, right? Not yet, is it? Not yet as I should. Paul is going to tell us later, I have grown and I've become more like Christ, but I've not yet attained it. But I'm going for it. I'm not stopping short just because I have found in myself many reasons why I don't yet completely live and love like Christ. I'm not going to stop. So here's your New Year's resolution, isn't it? I want to grow in the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is a very interesting thing because it's got lots of angles and dimensions, like a diamond. You look at it from one side, and you look at it from another side, and it's got a slightly different shape and color, but it's all one real reality, and that is what he's concerned about. So the past secures the future, and God's grace at the moment is for us to grow in joy in the love of God. That's really what Paul is on about. And so in verses 9 to 11, he tells us, this is what I'm praying. So when I pray with joy, this is what I'm praying. So if you find other Christians hard to associate with, then this is a great prayer, isn't it? If you find it difficult to associate with other Christians, then here's the prayer for you. Because you are going to pray that God will make them lovable, isn't it? They're not loving. Do you know that you're not lovable? You know that, hey? Kind of shock to some people. You are not lovable. God loves you despite the fact that you're not lovable. And when that love hits you, you're starting to do the weird thing. You're starting to love other people that are not lovable. And your concern is that they will actually come to know Christ in the same way. So let's have a look and see what Paul... So here's a church that has been very, very, very good. Paul tells us in chapter 4, out of all the churches that he's planted... This is the church that from the first day until now, he's already referred to it, they have been concerned for him personally and for the gospel every single time. They have supported him when other churches were not prepared to support him. They even sent Epaphroditus to him, and Epaphroditus almost died in his efforts to serve Paul. And Paul says, I really am amazed about you guys. And yet, look at what he prays for them. He knows that even though they have gone so far, they have not gone all the way yet. 
So look at what he prays. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. You are loving, you are loving me, but I want you to love more and more. In the church there are two great women that have an issue with one another in chapter 4. They're not loving one another quite as they should. They are looking down their long noses at one another and they have disunity in the church. Great church. Missionary church, yet a church that does not entirely reflect yet the glory and the joy of the Lord. And so Paul says, I want you to grow more and more. So just think about it. When you know your own love, do you think you can grow in it? I'm really getting worried. To grow more and more in love. You love, but I want you to do it more and more, says Paul. So here's the one thing. The one great thing about being a Christian is you'll never arrive. There's always today more scope to grow in love. The ceiling is pretty high. And Jesus says, I want you not only to know that you ought to love, I want you to love. That's what Paul is after. So look at carefully how he puts it. Very interesting way. Because this is so anti the culture that we live in. Our culture's understanding of love and maybe our own hearts are all mushy and fluffy and marshmallowy and squeegee and all sorts of things. Now look at what he says. How does he want their love to grow and to what purpose should their love grow? Look at what he, how he unpacks it. It's quite a neat little uh, section. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge... And depth of insight. In knowledge and the ability to discern at a deep sense in your heart. That's really what he's praying for. So here's it, and I've kind of put it down there. The knowledge is not just the word knowledge, it's the word for true knowledge. It's not for knowing about, but it's the knowledge of being. So one of those interesting things. I love watching rugby. And the reason I love watching rugby is because I played rugby. My wife, on the other hand, absolutely has detested rugby. She's never played it. She has knowledge about rugby, which is very dangerous, because she doesn't even know who's where in the back line and the forwards and stuff like that. But she's got no knowledge of rugby, because she's never played it. This is what he's saying. You can know, have knowledge about something, a concept, or you can be partaking of it. If you know what it is to throw a dummy and the opposition opens up in front of you and you score a try, you know how lacquer that is? Well, you wouldn't know if you haven't played it. You would know that I enjoy it, but you will not have knowledge about it yourself. He's praying here for true knowledge epignosis the knowledge that makes you participate not the knowledge that you know about but that you will actually be a participant in this love that's what he's praying for and that knowledge comes in three categories so i've got it in your outline true knowledge means you have to start with the love of god for you you will never love anybody truly unless you know the true love of God 
for you in Jesus Christ. You've got to become a recipient of the love. You've got to enter into the love of God because He's given it to us in Christ Jesus. You've got to study it. You've got to read it. You've got to know it. You've got to participate in it. You've got to stand in awe that you who are unlovable is loved by God because of His Son. That's the first bit of the knowledge that you need to grow into, isn't it? It's not that I must love God. No, 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 that God loves you. That's the thing that Paul is saying. I want you to grow in the true knowledge of what love is all about. And it always comes from receiving. I mean, I guess that's what Christmas is in one sense all about, isn't it? Christmas is not about giving gifts. Christmas is about receiving gifts, but not gifts, the gift, Jesus Christ. That's, I guess, what Christmas is really all about. Have you received the gift? That's what Paul is saying. I want you to know just how unlovable you really are. Now, just think about your year. How was your year this year? How many times did you do the very thing you didn't want to do? How many times didn't you do the very thing you wanted to do? And you know what? God says, in my son, I still love you. There is nothing that can separate you from my love for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know what it feels like to be able to say that across 2018? God's love in Christ Jesus covers all my failures. Do you know that? Paul says, I pray that you may know that God in Christ Jesus loves you. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> the year didn't quite turn out the way you were. That's okay. It has not separated you from the love of God for you. No matter how many times you failed, it does not separate you from the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know that? That's what he's saying. I pray that you may know that. Because once you realize that somebody that really knows you, loves you, it does something to your heart, isn't it? You're now starting to love that person. How is it possible that God could love me and you? It was based on our performance. <laughs> there would be no hope. The only reason is because his son performed so well, isn't it? The moment you sense that God in Christ loves you, there starts to stir in your heart a love for God. And that's the second part of the love that you need to grow in. How can I not love a God that loves me like that? How is it possible? I, I mean, I get it right. But it's weird, isn't it? When you, when you sit and think about it, it's really hard to believe that you could be so disinterested in someone who loves you so much. And yet, that's what we need to grow in. And then, the third one, then it forces you to start to love others the way that God has loved you. It says, I am praying that you may grow in true knowledge of love. If I claim that I have the love of God, but I don't love God, neither love others, I've missed the boat somewhere along the line. 
So that's how you know. See, the Bible puts all of those things together. You can never, the order is very important, but you can never take the one out. When you know the love of God, you will love God and you will love people. And therefore, we need to grow in that very love, in that very order. You see how it works? It's amazing, isn't it? So, my understanding of God's love for me makes me love Him and it makes me love others. So, Paul says, I'm praying that you will have this love more and more. That's what I'm concerned for you. That you will get to the point where you will be able to love people here it comes again. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. But you don't need them. You don't need them to acknowledge you. Because you've got all the acknowledgement from the Father in His Son. You don't need to be recognized by people. Because you've got all of the recognition from the Father. You are free to love and serve Never needing a thank you. Who wants to grow in love? Can you see the freedom of the power of the love of God that will get you to a point where you can love and serve people without expecting anything from them? You are free like Christ. I wonder why you think you see that as freedom. I think we see that as a burden. Still in our heads. That's what Paul says. I pray that you will grow in true knowledge. Truly understanding the freedom that I am not there. Let me just put up my hand very quickly. If I do something nice for somebody and they don't kind of turn around and say, hey, thank you. Then I am uh, very reluctant to pray that God will bless them. You're driving on the roads, traffic, and a guy sits on your back and he flashes his lights and I am humbly pulling to the side. And he zips by. And then I'm watching. Is he going to say thank you? <laughs> Are you as stupid as I am? When he doesn't say thank you, I'm really battling to say, Lord, will you please bless that man? The freedom, says Paul, that I want you to have is the freedom of love. You have been loved completely. Learn to do that yourself. You've got to be participating. You've got to be part of the game in one sense. So not only do I need to grow knowledge, but I also need to grow and it calls depth of insight. I need to know how to apply love in the different contexts that it is needed. Because you can't do it the same way. And our world is confused about this. I should not love every other woman like I love my wife. It is inappropriate to love all other women the way I love my wife. I have to work out how do I love in this particular context. It's not simple, isn't it? You need knowledge, you need a real understanding. How do I do that? Does sex and love always go together? No. Not at all. Not even close. So our world is very confused about this love business. So he says, I'm praying not only that you'll have knowledge, but you'll have the ability to understand underneath the surface what is required for every situation. 
Because that's not easy. That's not simple, straightforward. Sometimes you need to be strong, and sometimes you need to be weak, and sometimes you need to be kind, and sometimes you need to be truthful. You've got to work it out. You need to work out how love shows itself in that context. So it's a massive thing. Anyone want to grow in love? Do you think the people sitting around you need to grow in love? <laughs> well, they think you need to do. All right? So again, don't worry too much about it. Just recognize when you think they need to change, they think you need to change. And you are both right. So once you know this, he says, look at the second bit. Once you've grown in this real knowledge and once you've grown in depth of application, he says, then you will be able to approve what is best. Some translations are what is excellent. I like the word best better because it's really the word of comparison. We all say that. The, the enemy of the best is the, the good. What stands in the way of the best is not just the bad, it's the good. It's the good enough. Ah, this is good enough for me to do it this way. Paul says, no, 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 no. You don't want to settle for good enough. You want to settle for the best. See what he's saying? Incredibly energizing, isn't it? Now, you've all had a bit of a rest. Now you need to start to work on the energy levels again. Don't you want to be able to love to such an extent that you will be able to discern what is the best thing for you to do? Not just getting through the day. I mean, there are times that I always just want to get through the day. Actually, at the beginning of the day. I just want to get through the day. But my love is so weak that I can't see this is an opportunity to figure out what is the best way to love today. See what he's saying? And the whole letter really is written with that background in mind. So Paul, every now and again, is going to say to people, this is a scenario, but I want you to know what is the best thing that has happened. So he's just telling them, I'm in jail, and I'm being vilified, and I'm being persecuted, and you know what? It is the best thing that could have happened for the gospel. Because this poor sucker that has chained to me, hearing the gospel from morning till night, I don't sit in the jail feeling sorry for myself, I'm actually feeling sorry for this guy because I'm telling him the gospel from morning till night. It's the best thing that could have happened. See how weird he is? Because the love of God gives him love for God and therefore love for other people. It is the best thing that at my expense other people may hear the gospel. It's the best thing. It's not the nicest thing. It's not a good thing. It is the best thing. Amazing, isn't it? How the gospel, how love enables you to discern life completely different. Our lack of love makes us stupid. You thought knowledge makes you stupid. No, no, no. Lack of knowledge. No, no. Lack of love makes you stupid, says Paul. True love, understanding, knows how to apply it, and that will enable you to know what is best. Weird, isn't it? If I want to know what is the best, I need to grow in love. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like that. My heart needs to expand with the love of God for me. 
in order for me to love God and then to love people in the given situation I find myself in. Then I will be able to discern what is best. I find it, I find it so wonderful. There's hope for me. I can grow. There's hope for you. You can grow. Work out. How do I do it in this context? So maybe just flip over one other reference to this whole idea. Look at what Paul says, and he even uses the word there. Chapter 2, verse 2. He talks about all the encouragements we have in the gospel and in Christ Jesus in verses chapter 2, verse 1. And chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Then make my joy complete, there it comes in again, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one and of one mind. And how will that show itself? How does all of that good stuff show itself? Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but to each of you, to the interest of the others. What is the best thing that you can do with your time here on earth? Is to be so growing in love that you will not worry about your own interests. <laughs> I have to laugh. I've got a lot of love to learn. Do not look out for your own interests. The best thing to do is to look out for the interests of others. Now, if you re-hear that without love, you are going to try and do it and you're going to exhaust yourself. If you've grown in the love of God for you and your love for God, then it becomes your freedom to love others like that. You see what Paul is going at? You get to be able to discern what is best and how to serve others and not look out for your own interest. That's your freedom. That's the freedom of Christ. You see why he's praying this letter? He's actually trying to help us to work through this incredible reality. That that is what God is after. God actually wants you to be like his son. His son has managed to love you. And he's managed to love me. And he says, real freedom, real human freedom is to actually... Know that love, accept it, and then allow it to have its work in you so that you will love him back and therefore you will love others. And that takes us to the next level. And he says, this is to the end that you may become pure and blameless. The word pure, it's a very interesting word. It means the word judged by sunlight. That's what the word literally means. Now, where's the woman here? I'm absolutely amazed at how good you people are at being able to see color in a shop. Because I have bought some clothes and the color in the shop looked like this, but when you bring it out into the sunlight, it is gross. Now, JJ can explain to us why that is so. But isn't it amazing? He says, I want you to be able to stand in the sunlight. That's how pure you must be. Not in the light of other people, not in the light of the culture you're in, not in the light of anywhere else. I want you to be able to be judged by sunlight. Being absolutely pure. That's why our translations choose the word pure. Because actually the word literally means to be judged by sunlight. Out in the open. Not only pure in terms of no 
pollutants, but healthy. Where the sun shines, there's health. See what he's saying? As I grow in love and I learn to apply it the best, I actually am becoming pure. And I become blameless. I am no, I've got no stumbling anymore inside myself. And therefore I don't cause any stumbling outside myself. That's what he's saying. Now, don't you find this unbelievable? How good God's love is, how powerful his love is. He says his love, if you grow in that love, not only will you be able to think straight and know what is best, you will become judged by sunlight, so pure, and you will be blameless. There will never be any stumbling inside of you anymore. You know what your greatest problem is? Go to the mirror. You. You will not stumble yourself anymore. Neither will you ever be a reason for someone else to stumble. That's the goal. That's where he wants you to go. Isn't that incredible? Do you know you can't make me angry? You can't make me sad. Did you know that? You can give the occasion where my heart will make me angry. Or you can give me the occasion where my heart will make me sad. But you can't make me sad. It's when I believe that you are that important and you fail me that I'll be sad. But it's because of what I believed. See what he's saying? I want you to be stumble free. You won't cause yourself to be stumbled anymore. No one can make you sin. Without your consent. Not the world, not the devil. Only your heart. It's incredible when you think of it. Gee, Lord, please let me grow in love. Because that's the only way, Paul says, you will get to this point where you will be able to be pure and without stumbling. And that is the way in which you will fill yourself with the fruit of righteousness. Very interesting word there. Most of the translations translate it as a straightforward word, but it's actually a passive perfectum. So don't worry about it if you don't know Greek. It simply means you must, either it's a, it's a passive or it's a middle. Either you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness, or you fill yourself with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. As you go to Christ, what is the fruit of righteousness? Love. The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus Christ expressing itself in love. This is how you will do it, says Paul. This is what I'm praying for you. This is the prayer that I have for you. I love you. I thank God for you. I'm sure that God is going to complete the work that he started. But boy, there's a lot of work to be done. See, that's what we can say to one another. God has forgiven you. God will bring you to home. But boy, there's a lot of work in between. So let's not miss the opportunity and the time that we have. And this will all be to the glory and praise of God on that great day when he comes. So we don't live 
to find all the satisfaction we long for and can imagine in this life? We live for that day. Because we know that God has started a good work and God will finish it. And in between, God has got a lot of good work to do in us. So to set us free so that we may be able to love. So may I suggest to you a New Year's resolution if you haven't got one? Pray that everybody at Crossword and every other Christian that you know will grow in love more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they may be able to approve what is best in every situation and so become pure and blameless until Jesus Christ comes again and that will be to the glory of God. Here's a prayer for you. The wonderful thing about prayer is you don't even have to get out of bed. Just think about it. Do we pray for one another? We have the privilege of praying for one another. So when you see a Christian failing, what are you going to do from now on? Pray, not, oh God, please, you don't. I heard this beautiful thing. There's a story about a prayer meeting and there's a woman who went through a very difficult time and, and the woman reporting on the woman going through a very difficult time says, this poor woman is just very miserable. Will somebody please pray for her? So a typical man who doesn't understand these things says, Lord, will you please bless this miserable woman? <laughs> but it's a good prayer, isn't it? We can pray. When we find other Christians fail, one of the things we can do, there are other things we can do, we can go to them and talk to them and encourage them and reprimand them and encourage them and build them up. The other thing we can do is, Lord, I see this person is still in need to grow in love. Just like me. Please won't you help them to grow in love more and more by true knowledge and depth of insight so that they may next time discern what is the best thing to do in that situation so that they may become pure and without stumble until Christ comes and you will be glorified for the incredible work that you've started and that is now visible already. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you know us so well. Thank you that you give us hope. There's hope for each one of us here. Each one of us here can actually grow in love because your love is the foundation of everything. And so that is my prayer, Lord, for myself and for everyone here this morning and for everyone not here this morning and for every other Christian in the world. Lord, we pray that we may grow, abound, superabound, more and more in love as we grow in knowledge and ability to discern so that we may prove and approve what is best in every situation. And in that way, we become pure and blameless until we come to that great day when you will complete the work that you've started. And Lord, that will be to your glory and to your praise. And so we ask you to help us to take our own joy serious and to take one another's joy serious. We thank you that as we pray for one another, you actually give the spirit that brings about conviction and understanding so that love may abound 
and so that you will be praised in glory, that you can save wretched, sinful, selfish, arrogant, confused, bitter people like us and set us free to become and to come into the image of your son. So thank you that you love us. You have loved us. You will love us. And you are loving us right now. May we understand something of that to the extent that it will affect our love for you and for one another. To the effect that we will pray for one another with joy and hope and thanksgiving. And we pray this in your name. Amen.